Can you believe it? David Lugo. What? I am looking right now as we speak. To what? The last episode. <laughs> March 21st. <laughs> hey, 2020. At least it was, 2020. At least it was this year, huh? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, in our defense, March twenty first, and then before that, it was March sixteenth. We were on such a good roll. Well, uh, okay, but two and times now it's in a June row. First, <laughs> <laughs> what was the one before March sixteenth? Was it like March sixteenth, February twenty sixth? That wasn't that bad. Yeah. Okay. So from March twenty first until now, we've been through a bit of an I've been through a bit of an adjustment in the world. So have I think, there been things going on? In well, the world? I'm I'm not in Spain. If that's one thing that you want to talk about. <laughs> well, um, you were already not in Spain. I think on March 21st, right? I think or March 21st is when I landed. No, that's I think, not right. We didn't think, record on the day you got in. Come on. I remind me what we actually were talking about there. It's called coronavirus and beauty. I have no memory of, of what we talked about. <laughs> I am convinced that in that episode, I was doing my 14 days of quarantine because I was living uh, in a different house. But not so, the same day. You wouldn't have done that. I, I Go think to we bed. recorded on the plane. I think I <laughs> no. was in okay. flight. We were recording okay. mid-flight. No. Okay. So I've been living peacefully <clears throat> and blissfully in the city of St. Louis for i don't know what two months now more um, two and a half months because yeah, i got here it's been so our our uh our lock i mean our lockdown like church closure has been was like 10 weeks ago so probably about that long right okay because so, i think you got i think you got here right when we were closing everything down yeah okay so i got here in time to celebrate the feast of the annunciation which was march the 25th and so March the 25th, for sure, I was here in the States. And so I've been here since then, which has been over two months. So two and a half months or so. So um, we must have recorded while you're still in Spain. No, that doesn't seem right. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? That was so As long said, ago. Who knows? Well, okay. So since then, of course, coronavirus has been still a thing. I think our last yeah. two episodes were about coronavirus. And it's gone on longer than I think anybody really has patience for, but probably longer than we thought it would. Yeah. And it's probably still going to go on. <laughs> as well, especially with everything else. I think we're going to well, get a quicker second wave than we would have. Well, that's the thing. So and as we're recording this, you know, we have all of the George Floyd protests. And yeah. I mean, I don't want to phrase it that way because it makes it sound like it's his fault. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not all the protests and rioting that's happened around the country in response to the P- murder. Police in brutality. Yeah. Yeah. And so. All that happening, uh, yeah. I finished. Okay, well, let's just let's just take a take a <laughs> breath. Let's just take a breath. Take a step back. Okay. Start from so, the beginning. Okay, it's a very good place to start. So um, I've been here. We did we did Lent, we did Easter, and we finished Pentecost. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been through a lot uh, since the last time we spoke, and I'm gonna be here for the foreseeable future, man. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, really. I'm in St. Louis, and I'll, as far as I can tell, I'll be here in St. Louis through August. Oof. Well. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll spend my summer here in St. Louis, which is not a bad thing. I'm living with a bunch of Jesuits, and I'll probably be offering a summer school class here for some of the students that live with me. Um, yeah. I finished my thesis. That was big. Hey, congratulations. Was, yeah, yeah. You really uh, did it. I really did it. It was <laughs> not a short paper. That was the longest thing I've ever had to write. Yeah, you sent us the preview. It was like a hundred and 
<laughs> something pages. It was 121 pages. Golly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's title not page. a master's thesis. <laughs> that's title page till the end of the bibliography. Yeah. So you can subtract. Well, the bibliography itself was 11 pages. So you can subtract the 11 pages from the bibliography. Still, that's not a master's thesis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a it's not a doctoral thesis either. I mean, it's it's nothing. It's 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 it's, it's literally a fiction that was invented by my program. It's like, hey, get get a master's and write us 200 pages of stuff. Yeah. Um. So I finished that. That was good. Uh. And yeah, what do you know? But you don't defend until the 18th, you said? Yeah, mid-June. So as we record, we still have about two weeks before I do my, my defense. So you have to actually read all that stuff you wrote. I've done a lot of reading of it. I mean, as I write, so I don't read while I write, but when I pause between sections, I have to go back and revise, you know? So when I finish a major section, I would t- typically go back and revise it uh, and reread it. And then when I finally got to the last section... And I had to write a conclusion. I had to ask myself, wait a minute. <laughs> what, what, what am I writing about? And, and, and so I had to. Well, because once you get past like 15 pages, it's really hard to keep track of what you're. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? No, I um, hate that. I'm so, so anyway, glad I don't have to do that. It ended, up being, it ended up being three chapters with an introduction and with a conclusion. And it was great. I loved it. And I got to tell you, one of the things I loved about it was while I was writing my conclusion, I was realizing new things that I could write about, about Mm. this topic, you know, and getting excited about it. Like other times when I've written things, I would get really bored with it and say, I'm so done with this. (laughs) Um, Which I think maybe your experience with writing anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, I liked some of the things. I just didn't enjoy the process of writing. Like it's hard for me to, to do all of that. Um, I like I like thinking about these things and talking about them and throwing around ideas and saying, oh, yeah, like doing a podcast. Um, but like putting it down on paper is just it's hard. It's just hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard. It's just yeah. hard. I think that's part of the challenge is that most of us don't have the time or are given the time to really write well, because to write well takes a long time. Right. Um, it just becomes something you need to produce to get it. That's you it. Know. That's it. That's it. And I think that's why a lot of us end up presenting a lot of the work that we have to do in school is because it becomes an obligation that you don't really mm-hmm. have enough time to really savor. So yeah. at the end of a semester, if you want me to write five term papers, each of them 20 pages, like, are you kidding me? I can't enjoy any of this. But if you tell me, if you give me a week to write 50 pages on one topic that I care about, I could do that. It would yeah. suck, but I could do it, you know? Um, but I, I would really need structure. You so, could just I, tell me to write... 100 pages by the end of the semester <laughs> I would wait no. till the last week <laughs> well so the, the, the good thing the good thing about the writing process is that you have an advisor and the advisor right. Right. you know keeps you on pace and you know receives drafts and so my advisor he and I struggled a little bit to understand each other but he was helpful mm-hmm. with giving me a schedule you know so like sure I turned in chapter one in December I turned in chapter two in February and then I turned in chapter three in like late March early April um, now what ended up happening with me is that chapter one that I turned in in February, in uh, December ended up t- turning into something that I, it was too big. So I had to keep like reducing it down. And so what I ended up turning in as a final draft had really very little to do with what I turned in in December. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I like about it is that the writing process evolves. You got to give it time, you know, you got to let it, 
it's the creative act, bro. Like you, you, you write on canvas. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't do visual art. Like I, I don't get it, you know, and I also don't write music, but I'm slowly realizing that I, I may become, I may become a writer. Who knows? Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really cool. I, what was I going to say about that? I don't even remember. Yeah. Well, do you want to know what I wrote about? Do you care? Uh, you, don't, Ign- you don't even care. <laughs> Ignatius? I mean, I thought you were doing Ignatian spirituality. <laughs> yeah. Well, Is that not how it works? You got like a specific thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I wrote a paper on so the masters was a masters in Ignatian spirituality generally, but like mm-hmm. if you know if you took a class on you know Renaissance art, like that's you know it's a pretty <laughs> pretty broad yeah. topic. So, um, David, David, I know what you wrote on. What did I write on? You, you have wrote no <laughs> about how the no idea the one thing was. No. Idea. culminated in oh my god you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> no no i looked at your title page let me go back and see it. oh it's in spanish you don't even know how to read spanish what do you <laughs> did you even notice that it wasn't in english no no okay so what does it say did you read it <laughs> you have no idea something 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 work of God and of the exercises. (laughs) So I wrote about God and the exercises. That's true. That's true. So it was a paper on the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola. And I wrote basically like a survey of the entire work focusing on the role of grace in the person making the retreat Mm -hmm. and the importance of grace to transform the person from where they are when they when they begin to where they are at the end of it um and all of it sort of like looking at the general question of what is the point of the spiritual exercises yeah because that's that's kind of a controversial point or a convoluted point that over the course of centuries has never really gotten a clear answer it's like what is the point of the exercises um and so like or what is the goal of the exercises maybe is a different way of, of phrasing it um anyway so i wrote a whole paper on that and i I decided to focus in on the parts of the of the retreat that were focused on grace in particular. Um, yeah. You know, as you know, the each exercise begins with asking for a grace, and so mm-hmm. my my sort of like method was to say the the what what God is doing in the soul is cataloged over the course of the spiritual exercises in these petitions for grace. Right, and so what if we if we put all those next to each other what narrative is the text showing us from exercise one to the very end if we put all the graces together and so if you chain them all together what does it show about the process or the dynamic yeah. of the entire experience um and so yeah, yeah so cool. it was kind of a close study of all the different graces that ignatius asked for the retreat to pray to pray for um, so can i put you on the spot yeah what would you say or how would you say that relates to something like what we're seeing in the United States right now? Like, how would that be useful for, you know, let's call them a retreatant, but just let's say anybody. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't really so, know my question in there, like, but I'm, I'm just curious if there's something that you could say about. No. Yeah. I mean, so I would say definitively the answer is it's useless. Um <laughs> Uh, and and I and I say that tongue in cheek, but it's similar to the conversations that you and I have had over over many years about the the purpose of art. You know, like art being useless is not an insult. It's yeah. actually a way of dignifying it and saying that it's not something that you can just reduce to 
its its usefulness. Yeah, um, it's function. Same, yeah, and the same thing is true with truth. You know, so I would say that like I I could I could homilize off of what I wrote, mm-hmm. you know, and preach about the value and importance of any one of those particular graces for approaching any particular issue in the world. So like like for example, in the first week like of the spiritual exercises, Ignatius asked us to pray for tears. Um, because of sin in the world or sin in ourselves and like in, in the whole George Floyd thing that's happening right now or the COVID crisis that might be a grace that we might need to pray for is are we moved to tears if if we're not moved to tears maybe we should pray the grace to be moved to tears in the face of sin you know so there could be a lot of like good invitation there in terms of how Ignatius would think we should be reacting to different situations um yeah, so that might be one thing. I would also say that, like, generally speaking, the spiritual exercise is what I've come to realize is about personal transformation. And so it has less to do with what I can tease out of this and more to do with the kinds of persons that come out of the experience. And so the people that come out of the experience of the exercises should be transformed. And so to make apostles, to make Christians in the world that are transformed by grace, well, that's kind of the point of the spiritual exercise. So... You know, well, and that's the, kind of what I was wondering. You know, you've got that that line right before the presupposition to conquer oneself and to regulate one's life um, mm-hmm. without, you know, any tendency that is disordered. Mm-hmm. And that seems like something that's really needed right now. I mean, if anything, the the big disordered tendency that I think is on everybody's mind is the sin of racism. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how are we only able to see people that look different differently as well different <laughs> yeah or less than or something like or, that right? exactly and, it, and and certainly like like the whole first week of the spiritual exercise is about sin and recognizing sin within myself and it not being necessarily about like beating myself up over my sin but realizing the effect of sin and letting sin the the true effect of sin in the world affect me yeah. uh and letting it be something that i that i feel you know well and, and to recognize yourself as a sinner like i i find especially with racism you know we're so like the immediate gut reaction is to prove that i'm not one mm. rather than saying yeah i'm a bad person <laughs> but i'm trying to conquer that yeah yeah fair enough fair enough now i guess my only correction to that or my only like caveat is when Ignatius says to conquer yourself, like we have to be careful to not become a process that happens apart from grace. Right. You know? Right. And I think that would be kind of where I was trying to drive the paper a little bit is to say Ignatius could easily be conceived as a person who is Pelagian, you know, who's mm-hmm. focused on right. like, you know, just it's like a self help. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, and so I think that can be one of the temptations with spirituality is to treat it as a self help process rather yeah. than saying like, how is it an invitation to surrender? Um, but don't God, you think that's why the first part is looking at personal sin? Like, if I think that this is the person that's going to fix me, <laughs> then uh, I've got another thing coming. Say that again? Recognizing oh, 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 ourselves see, as as sin, sinners. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, And that I can't save myself. Yeah. 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 No, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I think one of the things that I, I would correct a little bit in the way that most people see the first week of the spiritual exercises is that the first week of the spiritual exercises, none of the graces that Ignatius asks us to think about are in terms of like, like knowing myself to be a sinner. Like that's not in the graces. The graces have to do with like pain and confusion and mm-hmm. tears. Like that's right. what he asks us to pray for. And right. knowledge, you know, of sin and the way that it affects the world. 
but he never really says particularly about like knowing myself to be a love sinner, which yeah. is what we typically say. Right, right. Um, it's kind of just become catchphrase. Yeah, but what I, li- <laughs> what I like about the way that Ignatius says it is that I think there's something really important about focusing in on my emotional response to sin. Like, mm. does sin make me cry? Does yeah. sin make me pained? Does it make me confused? And if not, then there's something wrong with me. You know, to put it bluntly, like sure. it's, there's something wrong. And it's kind of to your point about being self-aware about racism, let's say, you know, in this particular case, is that if I'm not confused by it, then there's something wrong with me. You know, mm-hmm. so like if if someone dying at the hands of police brutality is not something that causes me tears and something is wrong with me, you know, yeah. and I need to acknowledge that name it and then surrender it to the Lord to allow him to transform me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But 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 it is a grace to cry in front of sin, you know, like that's something that is very striking that Ignatius says that you need to ask for the grace because when you are faced with your own sin, you probably don't want to cry because you're so blind to your own mm-hmm. evil, you know, um, no one thinks that they're that bad, you know, so <laughs> you need to maybe even ask the grace in the first move of the spiritual life. You need to ask the grace to cry over your own sin like that's yeah. and that's great. And God is at the beginning of that you know? now. I don't want this to just become, let's talk about riots and whatnot, but what, what do you see after sp- spending all this time deeply, deeply looking at the exercises? What do you see in this, uh, in this movement that we're seeing in legitimate anger and frustration and sadness? You know, all these things about police brutality and how, you know, these people are being just murdered. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then taking that... Um, and then taking that anger, that righteous anger, and turning it into something, well, I don't know, I'd hesitate to call it hateful, but like damaging, either to yourself or to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what's, what do you see the tendency there is? I don't, I don't know. I, so I, I struggle a little bit with a lot of these questions is because spir- our spirituality is, is a transformative one. Um, right. And a lot of the second and third and fourth weeks of the spiritual exercise has to do with transforming ourselves into the person of Christ. And how does Christ behave? How does Christ feel? How does Christ act in the world? Um, and so, you know, in the face of injustice, Christ, I think, would be angry. Um, and rightfully so, you know. And yeah. so, you know, how does a Christian respond to injustice? There should be righteous anger. Um, now I, I struggle with, you know, the, the act, the acts of violence in retribution, um, or in vengeance. And it makes me wonder whether or not that's precisely how Christ would respond in the face of injustice. Um, you know, he flips over the tables in the temple, but you know, is that the same thing as me looting a store and burning it down? Um, and I don't think it is, you know? And so I, I would say that someone who's becoming more conformed to the person of Christ is someone who can react in anger and feel pain in the face of sin and injustice and act, but act in a way that is not sinful. Yeah, you know, but it's interesting you, you're you're mentioning transformation, and I totally agree with that. I think that's the point of um, of faith in our lives, to transform us into who we're actually meant to be. But I've talked to so many people recently that say, you know, it's so sad that, you know, in the 60s, we marched on this. In the 90s, we had riots over this. And, you know, it just seems like that transformation isn't actually happening. Yeah, because it can't happen by politics and it can't happen well, by economics. Fair, and it, fair, you know, fair, and fair, like, yeah. 
And also it can't happen by human will. Like we cannot change our own destiny in the same Mm -hmm. way that we want to. Like to the depth that we want to create a utopia on earth, we have to face the reality that we cannot, that we in the end cannot save ourselves. And I think that's a hard lesson for a secular world to admit because when you divorce the world from its supernatural end and its supernatural origin, then we become limited in our scope. We think that we can find saviors in our political leaders. We can find saviors in our religious leaders. We, we just can't because no one, we're all in the same sinful boat, you know? And <laughs> in the yeah. end, like the only person that can save us is the one who, you know, created us. So mm-hmm. anyway, I mean, not to preach about it, but it's just like, I think one of the reasons that we see, you know, it's Ecclesiastes. It's like nothing new under the sun. Injustice reigns and is cyclical and it happens over and over again, not because there's no hope, but because we are broken and we're fallen and we are (laughs) sinful and we continue to, we continue to make terrible decisions. And we keep walking further and further away. Well, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I think that further away makes it sound as though we are worse off now than we were before. And I, I don't think that's right either. Mm, That's Um, fair. I think that we are in a cycle and I think the cycle is one of, evil and sin and violence and injustice and i think that we can do things to try and remediate the effect that it has in the world the negative effect it has in the world but at the end of the day you cannot excise this tumor by human means i don't think so i mean i think yeah no i agree and so like you know is marching on washington a solution to racism no it's not ultimately a solution to racism because racism is sinful and you can't cure sin by marching on Washington. Now you can and raise awareness not- and you can change laws and you can yeah, invite right. people to a change of heart and a change of mind, but humans can't change humans' hearts. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, well, I wouldn't, I won't say that rubs me the wrong way, but one of the things that still confuses me about this whole thing, and I realize we're talking now about you know, politics and all that stuff that I don't really like talking about. But like the narrative that we hear is this is an American problem, you know, and I get that America's original sin or whatever you want to say, like racism and slavery is deeply ingrained in us, but it's not an American problem. This is a human problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it's a, it's an American problem in the sense that we, we feel it in a very particular way. Uh, right. Because we're constantly seeing the strife between races and the strife between peoples lived out in this pre- in this precise right. way. It's our um, context. I mean, sure. And so, in that sense, it's a it's a very American problem. However, sin is a human problem. And right. It's, um, and it's pervasive. And I think it's important to name racism and brutality as sins. Sin. Yeah. Um, and there are sins that exist all over the world. You know, and racism is not an American sin. It exists everywhere. You know, I live when I'm not in isolation, I live in Spain and in Spain, there's a lot of racism, a ton of racism that exists for the immigrant people who come from Africa, people who come from the middle East, people who come from East Asia. There's a lot of racism that happens, you know, against those people. Um, not as much overt like police brutality as you would see in the States, but it's still sinful. You know, there's yeah. a lot of xenophobia. There's a lot of, a lot of that going on anyway, cause it is a human ill because yeah. sin is a human problem. Yeah. And you know what? I wonder if part of that, again, that problem with not recognizing my own sinfulness uh, 
when we vilify other people, you know, the right-wing extremists, the left-wing extremists, these are the people that are sinners. No. We're, re- we're, reduce- <laughs> we're reducing sin. Well, but you see that, right? That's yeah. the narrative. We, we're reducing sin to just a person who's a bad person. Yeah. Well, they are sinners. That, that is true. Well, right, 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 right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah, yeah. But sin is something to be conquered. Right. So I. So one of the reasons that I decided that I wanted to study spirituality and like I really like ethics. And I think what we're talking about a lot is ethics and politics and all that. And I and I care about those issues very deeply. I, I think my my decision to study spirituality came from a realization that at the end of the day, everything is a spiritual problem too. Mm. Not exclusively, but it is also that. And I think it's one of the ways in which we don't really approach a good solution to a lot of these problems that we ignore the spiritual dimension that, and you can look at both in the positive and the negative in the positive sense, obviously that God is inviting us to a deep conversion of heart and a change of mind and that injustice is rooted in the rejection of God's love and invitation to live, you know, in communion with him and his creation. So mm-hmm. I think that there's a spiritual dimension there. But then there's also, if you want to take the negative side too, there's a spiritual dimension too because we're in spiritual warfare and that there are evil spirits that do prowl about the world, you know, to quote the New Testament. So I think I, I like to think about spirituality as being an essential component of a lot of these debates because as you're pointing out correctly, I think a lot of times we we reduce so much of this to if we just elect the right person, yeah. we'll get we'll get over this. If we just make the right laws, we'll get over this. It's like no, we won't because <laughs> that's not sin, how these things change. Because you cut off one head of the hydra and another one grows back in its place. Because sin is not a hu- it's it is a human problem, but it is a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. You know and it's a deep thing, you know, and it's not just a matter of having the right policy. Now, I don't say that to try and reduce it to like, or to, to, to trivialize it and say like, we shouldn't be demonstrating politically. I'm not saying that it's both. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both. And, and I just worry that we just opted for one or the other. Um, either people treat it as a spiritual problem and say, just pray it away. Or people treat it as a political problem and say that, we can just solve this problem if we just vote for the right people. It's like, look, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, yeah, they're we all, deeply connected. Absolutely, because we're human beings, and human right. beings are political animals, but they're also spiritual animals. You know, yeah. we're both. Um, anyway, so I, I decided that I wanted to study spirituality because I, I started to realize like it's a whole dimension to a lot of our ethical and political problems that gets underappreciated, even to keep it within the context of the church. Like I realize that my interest in, for example, like I really like, you know, ethics and I really like, you know, uh, like the sacrament of matrimony, like questions around the relationship between spouses and all. I really love that stuff and I love talking about it. But I started to realize like if it's not about a fundamental experience of Jesus Christ in your life as a sinner redeemed by him, then what are we talking about other than just like, I don't know. good sexual practice or something (laughs) um it's like no it's about a conversion of heart and Mm -hmm. living out your vocation Um, yeah transformation transformation is what it's all about bro yeah yeah totally anyway you got me on a bit of a soapbox there but yeah yeah uh, anyway so like it's one of the reasons that i wanted to write the paper that i wrote is because i wanted to see like the spiritual exercises are such a huge thing that 
I think a lot of times we don't really understand what Ignatius was after and we've kind of reduced him down to a lot of like one-liners, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's not just Ignatius, but everything. A lot of things. Yeah, with a lot yeah. of things. Everything is his catchphrase and jargon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, so turning that in was a huge relief for me just to go back to where Oh, I can are, imagine. You know? Yeah. Um, I spent, as you know, I spent all of last week like really stressed out and working on this thing and it took a lot of time. I mean, I was, I was writing pretty much all day, uh, for like four days straight, um, Oof. Oof. which is, which is great. I mean, it, it wasn't, it never got to the point where it was clearly unhealthy. Like I was still sleeping and I was still eating and I was still showering. Um, <laughs> that's good. You know, good yeah, to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've lived with guys where that's not the case, you know? Oof, yeah. Um, me too. I, I started comparing it a little bit with like, is this the kind of thing where like people often talk about that there's an obsessive element to genius, you know, um, or like brilliant artists become obsessed with their oh, craft, yeah. you know? Um, and I started to wonder is like, is this, is this something like that where like I, I'm really loving it and it's becoming kind of to say obsession makes it sound obviously like a problem, but like, I don't know. Well, like, have you, have you caught that bug with painting? I mean, have well, you, that kind of, I'm not going to lie, that has come up before in my own, you know, prayer and reflection as a concern, <laughs> you know, because I am trying to make this art thing work. And I don't know if I have that obsession. Is that setting me up for failure? As an artist? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so I think, like, I think I'm not you... willing to work through the night. Okay. So here's the thing. Maybe we need to come up with a better word than obsession. And I think the word that I, w- I think the word that we use is obsession, um, and that everybody uses. But I wonder yeah. if it's just not a helpful word because it has a negative connotation. So let's use the word love. Uh huh. So do you do you love <laughs> do you love this? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But what does that mean then? Like how how do you how do you live that out? So like, well, like, what, so if you love something, would like like say if you're in the middle of like if you're in the flow mode and you're like writing, you're you're, you're painting a painting or whatever, and like you're so into it, and you love it, and like you're in you're in the you're in the zone. Like, would you give it up in the moment to go to bed? Like, is that? What the heck is happening outside? I don't know. Gosh. Denver is burning to the ground. There are helicopters <laughs> and planes flying over all the time. Yeah, anyway, uh, I think a big a big problem with with what we're ta- I totally agree with what you're saying, but right now that's your job to write papers and to study and to do all of that. Yeah, oh, totally. I'm I'm painting as a hobby basically. Yeah, and there trying it is. to do this as a side project, but only in my off hours. And a lot right. of those off hours, I just don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, I mean, I'm totally willing to admit I don't put in the work that I should. Okay, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. But like big part of the reason, that's just my personality. When that's not my primary focus, it's not my mission to do that. It's just something that I like to do. So it turns into, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. I feel like doing it now, so I'm going to do it now. And right. I don't feel like doing it now, so I'm not going to do it now. Because I, I got it. So, okay. So this is this is clutch because last week was the first week that I had where I had nothing else to do except write <laughs> my thesis. Yeah. And the more I wrote, the more I wanted to write. The more I read, the more I wanted to read. And it was awesome. Like it was a really cool feeling of like, man, I am in this thing. 
you know, and I love yeah. this thing. And it felt like a bit of an obsession, but that's because everything else was suspended. Like I had mm-hmm. no one else to talk to. Everyone else in the house was on retreat. Um, <laughs> I had nothing else to do. No other classwork. And it was actually really a great opportunity, you know, and yeah. it kind of goes to show that your point is well taken. That if, well, if you were a painter full time, you probably would like you would let the bug get mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's what I'm really looking forward to with next year um, with my new mission that it's it's still kind of weird, you know, like part time this part time that. Um, but the main part time <laughs> is actually doing <laughs> art. And it's going to be a struggle to keep that in mind, to be quite honest. Main (laughs) part-time. I've been trying to describe that to people recently, and it's like, part-time doing this, and then the other (laughs) part-time is doing this other thing. (laughs) Doesn't really make sense. Yeah, is doing art. Yeah. And it's going to be hard. I I can predict it now. It's going to be hard to maintain that as the priority. Because all of the other things are little, you know, the other things. They're, the other things. <laughs> they're little. They're little things that I can like get done. Uh-huh. They're they to do list items that okay. I need to uh, teach prepare. I need to teach a class. I need to prepare a lesson. I need to do all of these other things. Like that's more like okay. Let's just get it done. Whereas art, it's like okay, go paint for four hours. So okay. So are you gonna have like four hours in the day to just paint? I hope so. I mean, it's supposed to be like literal part-time work so that the other part of my day is done in the studio spent in the studio good well hey i mean that sounds awesome like it sounds it sounds a little bit like if i so i've been i've been feeling a little bit more and more drawn into the possibility of doing doctoral work and i live with a guy who's doing his doctorate in philosophy and he he would say like i would would talk to him randomly throughout the year and say hey how you're doing today he's like oh you know fine i said what have you been up to oh same old same old just writing my thesis and i thought to (laughs) myself like how awesome would it be to just have months on end to just work on one paper like that would be (laughs) that'd be friggin' awesome like if i could just work on this one thing you know and so like in your case if i would be like hey how's it going oh same old same old just painting paintings this is (laughs) what i do you know um yeah yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, it, it seems like genius requires time and space. And that yeah. time and space together aimed at the craft looks like obsession. Sure. And I, you know, and I do, I will say that t- you're totally right. Time and space is absolutely needed, just like with the doctoral dissertation. And when you don't have that, and this is, again, me speaking, this is my own personality, just the stifling... Um, I feel like there's a boot stepping on my creativity mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I don't have the room to really explore and to, to just to have the time to right right find find it in a sense. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. When when I when I have to write papers for class, it's awful, and <laughs> I just want to be done with it and not ever do it again. But then, if you just gave me time, then it's like my creativity can blossom. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I and it, I think it's it's the creative process requires to have n- downtime, leisure. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. space space where there's nothing else that's happening. You know. Well, and I think that's true for. I mean, like I I couldn't imagine, and I don't know if you take advantage. Well, I do know that you watch a lot of BA's Test Kitchen, um, but like that time, not to turn your brain off, 
but to engage it in a different way to help promote creativity and writing and you know all of that stuff so okay so actually this raises an interesting question so i was going to ask you about this i finished my thesis last week as you know and uh-huh. la- next week i'm going to be starting teaching a class a summer school class and i decided as you know to take a week off for like rest and renewal yeah okay how do you do that (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry what (laughs) how do you relax (laughs) i found myself waking up this morning and wondering like what do i do (laughs) what do i need to do because okay like I could take this time and like write another big paper and like keep reading stuff and like, yeah, you don't know, do that. Don't do that. You know? Um, well, what do I do? <laughs> so you started already, but you just need to finish watching more DC movies. Okay. Watching cartoons. I like it. Um, you need to get an audiobook. Ooh, or an actual book. Mm, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Cause that's gross. Get an audiobook. Okay, all right. Uh, and make some more bread. Oh, I could bake. <laughs> and go for a walk. Like, there's loads of things to do. You and know, see, but, but here's the thing, you know, and I think you may fall into this trap, and I'm going to call it a trap um, explicitly. Watching cartoons is not meaningless. It's not time-wasting. It's not turning your brain off. Some cartoons are okay. Okay. But this has been my big kick really all of Lent um, in a lot of my spiritual conversations with, with parishioners and other people that have been coming in to talk. Think of the way that we train our imaginations. Mm-hmm. Well, we really don't. <laughs> and so that's why there's such a, we have such a hard time with, I think, with wasting time on Reddit, wasting time on Twitter. Because these are ways that we are engaging our imaginations. It's just not structured. It's just not well-ordered. Whereas, you know, watching something cool, watching something fun, watching something, you know, reading a book that, like, that, like, forces your imagination to start working Mm -hmm. is, Is I think, just as important as reading an academic book that engages your intellect. Okay, so... Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe you should say more. So, like, is this is this week that I have right now a time for me to is resting? Okay, what is what does it mean to rest and relax? Like, I don't. So, doing. I don't think it's just or, turning yourself off. Like, that's okay. not healthy. Okay, you no, know? because that's what I fear is just yeah doing nothing. Yeah, but watching DC cartoons that you like is not doing nothing. That's doing something that you like. Okay, and like reading, reading fiction engaging, or... Yeah, that you like. Like, do that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no obligation there. Like, yeah. develop develop your imagination now. Put in some of that fun work so that when you're back in the classroom, you're back engaging your imagination in different ways or your intellect in different ways, then you're not rusty. Mm-hmm. But you're also not worn out because you've just been doing, you know, quote unquote, things this past week. Right, right. That's helpful. Um, I spent part of the morning in the spirit of rest and renewal. <laughs> I spent part of the morning organizing my books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so boring. <laughs> I'm I'm not a very fun person, I guess, when it comes to vacation. Like, if I could vacation, like with no buddies, man, that's you know. fine. I watched. I spent the morning 
watch well so this is telling between our different personality types you're actually organizing things i was watching videos about organizing things <laughs> <laughs> well so on the flip side you you cook i watch videos about cooking uh, there um, it is there it is i mean i could make some bread i could i could do that and listen to an audiobook um i do appreciate one thing you said though is that there's a difference between just doing nothing which is what boredom is yeah um and like recreating you know, re re dis, like recreating. You know, and, mm -hmm. and yeah. enjoying enjoying time that is creative and yeah. I, I think part of the problem is that I'm not a like I'm not a painter. I'm not a sketcher. I'm not a composer. Well, when people tell me to do something creative, I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> what, what? Okay, I can. Well, I'm not a cook either. Like, I'm not. <laughs> you have an imagination. Use that. <laughs> but see, so, that's the thing. We don't know how. That's exactly my point. Like when I say use your imagination, well, what does that mean? Do I make a list? Do I? It's like, well, I don't know. Just imagine something. So what are we doing <laughs> that? And I'm not the best at this either. I think this is why I struggle a lot with my painting because I don't do it enough. And so my imagination isn't trained well enough to be able to engage. Um, well, to engage mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I don't practice like just like just like our bodies need exercise just like our spirituality needs spiritual exercises our imagination needs to be exercised mm. yeah mm, that's gonna be my homework for the week and do we do it <laughs> and the well seriously though i mean i keep going back to this but we're we're in a society where where people are saying imagination is pointless is useless don't do it because it's a waste of time don't read those fiction books because you could be reading something worthwhile. Right, it's like, something well, useful. Ugh, no. <laughs> right, right. How do you do the useless? Right. No, that's good. That's good. I like it. All right, so I'm going to watch some cartoons. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Go on Disney Plus and watch some Darkwing Duck. Dang. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Well, good, bro. So what else is new? I've talked to you about me. What's going on with you? So you're moving soon? Moving soon, about two weeks. I'm going to be going down to Houston. I will follow in your venerable footsteps with a 14-day quarantine. Oh, no. I'm Yay. so convinced, So Why don't you just get tested when you get there? So there's a couple of things. <laughs> One, I don't know. I don't know. That's, yeah, I don't know. The other thing is I don't want to stick that big big old q-tip in my nose <laughs> okay that would sounds you rather, gross <laughs> would you rather do 14 days of quarantine or have something stuck up your nose uh, well how long does it take to get the results like a day mm, does it remember that sure guy that? that we just we just talked about that guy who moved he moved communities from florida who? to louisiana oh yeah and he was gonna do 14 days in louisiana but they just tested him instead and it came back negative Mm. So would I go move in and then get the test and wait for the result? Yeah. So you quarantine until you get the result. Oh, God. I don't want to stick that thing in my nose, though. That's so scary. <laughs> okay, fine. Then spend two weeks in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I think it's better to go move in, be in quarantine, and then that afternoon go get something shoved up your face and then <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting like uncomfortable in my seat right now <laughs> like mm, oh jeez this, this flexible rod stuck up your nose <laughs> really great mm -hmm. okay 
I'll think about that. I think it's, <laughs> a, I think it's that. a better, I mean, think about it. Like, it's either that or you just spend two weeks doing nothing. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like, I really need to go on a retreat. And I don't want to just, like, do retreat and quarantine at the same time. Right. Just, like, stumble on a retreat. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is your solution. I think you should do it. Oh, God. I mean, it's going to obviously suck, but you're not. I am so I'm, uncomfortable right now. You're obviously not the only person who's had to do this. Oh, man. You're like a martial artist and you're afraid of a freaking twig up your nose. <laughs> Did you just listen to the sentence that you said? Are you afraid of a twig up your nose? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Well, okay. So. Oh, there's, man. There's, there's more for us to talk about, but man, my blood sugar is like plummeting because I haven't had lunch and it's almost two o'clock. So I'm going to go get lunch. Okay. And yeah. we'll table the rest for our next conversation. Are we going to actually do that? <laughs> well, it'll give us something to talk about and not wait four months. <laughs> All right. Well, it was okay. good talking to you, David. All right, man. Till next time. Peace. Peace.